So good. So good. So good. Good morning, Storyline. It's so good to be together and happy Mother's Day. I cannot believe, I can't see anybody out there, but I have a, I hear you and that's always better than uh, on Father's Day when the weather's this nice, there's nobody here. So <laughs> thank you moms for <laughs> making people come to making your family come. I, I do want to take a few moments um, at the beginning this morning to thank all of our volunteers. I call them our dream team. We have so many different teams in the morning. One time my friend Emily came by a couple years ago and she was... Uh, here before the gathering started and she was like amazed she's like it's a beehive of activity here i can't believe it and it is true we have so many people that help make each morning happen and so i really want to thank all of our our volunteers we have chosen to do church this way not all churches do and one of the um, challenges of meeting in a building that we don't own is that we need a lot of folks to help make this happen every day and so Thank you if you are um, a part of that, and if you're not and you'd like to be, uh, I would encourage you to check that out And this morning. And specifically, I want to also say a little shout out for Kidport, because not only is it the, the best thing and the most important thing that we do, um, I'm going to give you a little bit of secret uh, about Kidport volunteering, because when I'm not up here, I'm over there, because it's so great. The kids are amazing. Storyline has some remarkable, just wonderful young families with incredible kids and here's what Tracy and Emily have done as the directors of Kidport is they take care of everything for you so it's not the Sunday school that some of us remember or wish that we didn't remember and um, but uh, so if you volunteer for Kidport you just show up and you play with kids you um, do games or crafts with kids they do the teaching they do all the preparation it's really really amazing and so I hope you'll consider um, contributing and participating that way. So, um, how about that for a natural segue into a talk about mothers, right? Okay. Uh, but before we jump in, I do want to uh, talk, I, I feel like I need to uh, frame this talk this morning a little bit, because there's, there's a few things about this topic of motherhood that I think we have to acknowledge. Um, there are storyliners that have lost children, Uh, My wife and I have lost a child. There's others who would love to have children and haven't or can't. Um, Some of us have lost our mothers or have a very difficult, sometimes even like a tragic or toxic relationship with our mothers. And Mother's Day, as much as I hope that it's a wonderful day for most of us, I know it isn't for all of us. And I think it's really important that we acknowledge that from the very beginning. Um, For all of these reasons, I I just want to say how sorry I am for those of us for whom, for whatever reason, this is a difficult day. Because we're going to lean into this topic of motherhood this morning, and um, I'm I'm sorry if that's painful for some of us. So I do think, however, that the sensitivity of the issue kind of illustrates the point, which is that there's something very powerful about mom, about motherhood, about maternal love. And I also want to say from up front that I'm going to be making some generalizations this morning about mothers and maternal love in contrast to fathers and paternal love. And they're just that. They are generalizations. There's nothing that I'm saying that is universally true for all women and mom or all fathers uh, and men. 
nor should it be. I'm not trying to define a woman's rightful role or a man's. And so if you're hearing me say that at any point this morning, I'm miscommunicating. And so I'm going to ask for your forgiveness in advance, okay? Because good or bad, right or wrong, and we can all make that assessment for ourselves, these generalizations that we have, these stereotypes that we have about um, fathers and mothers, um, I think they, it's fair to say they're prevailing ways that we think of mothers and fathers. And, and I'll be using them this morning just to help us consider a topic that I think is very important, but I know that I don't think about it very much, and, I, and I'll bet that most of us don't, which is the maternal love of God. The maternal love of God. Now, um, we've talked about this before, and I think it bears repeating on a morning like this, that nowhere in the Bible does it even imply that God has a gender. Okay, the pronouns for God are usually masculine. That doesn't mean that the Bible is trying to communicate that God is a male. <laughs> there are names for God in the Old Testament that are clearly feminine. Um, language, and especially pronouns in English, um, limit how we can communicate about a God that is beyond gender and language. So whenever we talk about God, and you find this in, in every sermon we've, you've ever heard um, and all throughout the Bible. Whenever we talk about God, we're always using analogy. We're always using approximations, metaphors, symbols, archetypes. Even Jesus did this. Okay? Because we're, what we're trying to do is we're trying to apprehend. We're trying to chase down a little bit more of what we can't comprehend. And that is the goodness, love, and grace of God. And so, um, anyways, I, I'll be referring to God, um, or we'll be talking about this maternal love, and I just want to make sure that, that we know that even though the names of God are often masculine, the pronouns that I use from up front are masculine, that the Bible does not mean to imply that God has a gender. So all that being said, there is something special, even sacred, about a mother's love. I think that we can acknowledge that, and this morning what I'd like to invite us to consider is why. Why is it that across every culture throughout all of history that the institution, the idea, the role of motherhood has remained so important to the human experience? As we explored this question this morning, I'm gonna, there's going to be a, a couple parts where we talk again about stages of faith that we've been looking at this last month, these stages of simplicity, complexity, perplexity, and harmony, and we're, gonna, we're keeping in mind every time we talk about stages of faith that we're considering looking at faith um, through the, the framework of stages because faith is often experienced and developed in stages, and that has nothing to do with our value of worth wherever it is you find yourself in, in some particular stage. And we're also doing it in the hope that our awareness of this experience might help us to be more merciful and patient with ourselves and with others who are experiencing faith differently than we are. And finally, the reason that we've been doing this the last month or so, um, talking about uh, stages of faith, is to also be aware that doubt and difficulties are often doorways to the next stage of faith. They don't need to be an exit ramp. They can be a way to move deeper in 
to our trust in the goodness of God for us. Okay? So with all of that, here we go. So for the vast majority of human, uh, the vast majority of human beings, the first experience that we have with unconditional love, with acceptance and affection, and, and, and the delight another finds in us simply because we are us comes from our mothers. You know, one of my favorite things to do is to go to the hospital when a new storyliner comes into the world to see the pure joy of a new mother. And this is one of our first storyliners ever born. This is Luke Ring and, and his mom, Heather. And um, I went to the hospital right when Luke was born. And this kid had, he needed a haircut at birth. I'm, I'm not, I kid you not, I thought they had a little Ringo star. It looked like the Beatles had invaded, but she was just you know, holding him. He's wrapped in 20 blankets. She's beaming with love and joy and delight. I love to see that happening with mothers. And then I always love to look at the fathers who have this stunned face. Like, they're like, oh my God, what do I do now, right? Like an out-of-body experience, I'm in over my head. But maternal love is the first time we experience a love we can't earn, we don't deserve, and we can't lose. That's what maternal love is. It's different than paternal love, and that's a good thing. We need both. For example, one writer um, claims that it was the discovery of the future that differentiates human beings from other animals. Like, we know the future is coming at us. It's coming for us. It exists Okay, And he describes the essence of the discovery of the future like this. The future is an unforgiving father who will judge us harshly if we don't work hard today to prepare for tomorrow. Now, I think that's a brilliant insight and a necessary part of optimizing our lives, right? Like, we must recognize that the future exists and that a huge part of how we'll function in the future is based on what we do today. Like, how do we prepare? What are we, do, will we sacrifice? Will we delay gratification? Will we prepare for the future? To remind us of that, to prepare us for that, is a loving thing to do. And I think, again, generally speaking, that's kind of the paternal side or uh, the, the paternal Part of the continuum of love really emphasizes that. But if we only live that way, if that's the only perspective we have, or the love, the kind of love that we'll receive and, and experience, life can really devolve. Life can quickly become too harsh, too busy, like filled with to-do lists, like what must be accomplished, what must be completed, achieved, and earned. And all of that, it may prepare us to survive in the future, but with only that way of looking at life, we never really thrive in the present. Maternal love is the equally important discovery of the present. That in the present, we are already loved. That we already have something that we can't earn, we don't deserve, and we can't lose. And this is the love 
that makes life worth living. This is the love that gives us peace in the present and a purpose in our preparations for the future. And I think it requires for us, if we're going to move forward in life, um, if we're going to thrive in life, we need, we need to have both of these perspectives on what divine love is like. And sometimes I think, at least for me, I'll speak for myself, I lose that maternal aspect. I start to get to thinking of God as just a father or a, a man, a, 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 a male that's expecting things of me. And that, it can get a little um, out of balance, if you will. So, divine love is some mysterious combination of maternal and paternal love, and much, much more, of course, okay? Now, this is only scratching the surface, I would say, of what, can, what we can learn from mothers and motherhood. Because it isn't just what's coming from mothers to us, that we can learn from here when we think about maternal love, when we think about motherhood. But it's also what's happening in mothers through their love for us that helps us get at this question. Like, why has motherhood been so sacred through all ages and, and, and cultures? So anthropologists um, have taken a crack at this, actually, and they've known for quite some time, and I think most of us are at least familiar with this, that there is some kind of male initiation rite, uh, a ceremony, a ritual, an event, or a celebration in most cultures today and in most cultures throughout history that marks a boy's transition into a man. Okay, that's very, very common to have um, in cultures throughout time and, and history. But it's exceptionally rare for a culture to have this for women. Did you know that? I didn't know that. It's, it's not unheard of, but it's much more rare. Now, here's what anthropologists think. It seems that the vast majority of cultures throughout history have basically agreed experienced um, how fathers in most cultures are experienced and I thought this was so fascinating check this out here's what she says most most fathers are experienced as people who make things fix things or provide things so do we need something dad makes it is something broken Dad fixes it. You give my dad duct tape, he can make a space shuttle. I'm telling you right now. Okay? It is something threatened. Dad protects it. Right? 
I think we can resonate with that. Being a man has much to do with protecting and providing. It really does. But mothers are, are not experienced primarily as makers and fixers or protect, protectors and providers. Mothers are transformers. Mothers are transformers. They take grain and make it into bread. They take cream and turn it into butter. They get vegetables and create a meal. They take an act of love and somehow, some way, transform it into a human being. <laughs> the, the first time I saw that, I was like, oh my gosh, it's so true. Um, hey, in the stage of faith of harmony, one of the many things that begins to happen is a kind of surrender. It's a reassessment, a stepping back from uh, the things that we thought we knew, the things that we thought we had down, the, the answers we thought we had. And it's a growing awareness that there is something going on in life, with life, and through life itself that's just, it's bigger than us. It came before us. It runs beneath us, and it goes on far beyond us. And this kind of surrender is actually literally lived out it is embodied in mothers we can see it like a new mother gives birth and immediately knows this happened in me this life came through me but i didn't do it like all i did was wait and hope and pray all i did was like just let it happen this maternal consciousness or awareness or perspective on life is very well acquainted with mystery and miracle and transformation. And these things are part of the essence of trusting in the grace of God. We, and we see this embodied in mothers. It's an awareness of and a surrender to that which is most precious to us. What we yearn, yearn for the most is from beginning to end, sheer and total gift. It's just a total gift. Are we involved? Yes. Do we play a part? Certainly. Do we make it happen? Not at all. In any way, shape, or form. To accept God's love, some things that sound so easy, it's, it sounds so easy, right? But what makes it so hard to accept God's love is that it means what that goes along with is trusting in the transformation that we all know comes with it. And mothers let that happen. They let that happen. It's beautiful. You know, in other stages of faith, we often get the impression that we have to get it right or that we have to do it right. Or that we have to ask the right questions. In harmony, we begin to let go of all that and actually are much more drawn to embodying grace. Like giving birth to something redemptive through our life. Unleashing it into the world. And from this place, like living out grace, we recognize that by doing so, we are not only an agent of transformation, we are, like a mother, 
being transformed in the process ourselves. So on, on Thursday night, I had the privilege of attending Young Life's Capernaum Club and their annual talent show. And this should be like required for everybody to go to. It's absolutely spectacular. It was incredible. I had tears in my eyes the entire evening. Students and young adults with diverse abilities came together to share their talent. It was amazing. And the joy of those on stage, like sharing their gift with everybody there, was matched only by those who labored behind the scenes to make the evening happen. This is what the maternal love of God is like. It is self-sacrificing. It gives up everything for the other and yet finds life itself in the sacrifice. You know, I was watching the faces, not just of Nolan and Georgia on stage and Jalen and Greg singing and dancing on stage, but also of Mike and Linda and Luke and Sam and Bruce and Laura and all of those folks off stage that brought it all together. And I promise you that each of them would tell you that that evening was as much for them as it was for the kids. And for me, this is part of the genius of Jesus. The maternal way that he helped people to form faith and to find the abundant and thriving life. Time and time again, Jesus would invite followers to embody grace through labor, through effort, through pain and sacrifice to give birth to something redemptive for others. One time, thousands of people had gathered to hear Jesus, and his followers came to him and they said, and they said, Jesus, this, this is the end of a really long day. You know, it's getting late. We better send these folks away, you know, so they could get something to eat. It was a thinly veiled, okay, Jesus, we've done enough for them. When do we get fed? And, and by the way, if there's a consistent refrain for the North American church of the last 30 years, it is, when do we get fed? Well, Jesus has an answer for us to that question. He looks at his disciples and he says, here's how you get fed. You feed them. You feed them. And the Bible says a miracle happened. His followers fed thousands of people with a little boy's lunch, picked up baskets full of leftovers. Now imagine the joy they experienced, the trust that they established, and the transformation that happened in them as God fed others through them. Another time, Jesus went into a Samaritan village in the middle of the day, has a conversation with someone he's not supposed to have a conversation with, a Samaritan woman, and all the disciples, right when they arrived at the village, had already gone into, like, you know, Main Street, because you guessed it, they were all about, when do we get fed? And when they returned, they basically scolded Jesus, and they said, hey, you need to eat. And Jesus turned to them and said, I have food you know nothing about. The food that keeps me going is that I do the will of the one who sent me, finishing the work that he started. And the point seems to be pretty clear. We are so often worried about ourselves and concerned about our own nourishment, but that is not how the life of God unfolds in us or how it grows within us or how it's given birth into the world. The maternal love of God transforms everything and everyone love the song i love this line did you catch this all my rowdy friends are accomplishing their dreams but i'm the mother of evangeline now that could go two different ways right 
And maybe it does sometimes, I know. But, but you know what makes this song especially fitting, I think, for this morning is the name Evangeline actually means bearer of good news. Literally, an angel with good news to share. And Brandy Carlisle wrote that song. She's this international music superstar. And she has a baby. And now mothering this angel, that's now her dream. It's a beautiful sentiment. When we were first married, Lisa was playing pro beach volleyball. And she was doing sports commercials and sports modeling. And I know what you're thinking. So let me just say, yes, how in the world do we end up together? Well, sometimes... Sometimes you get lucky in life, and what can I say? She did. And so, for, she's not here today. So, four years later, uh, four years later, Lisa gave birth to our first child, Jimmy, Cedar sinai Hospital, Beverly Hills, Valentine's Day, 1997, and he could not have been more than 12 hours old. And she would not stop holding him, would not stop looking at him. And then she says to me, I'm done. And I didn't quite get what she was saying. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll hold him for a while. She goes, no, I'm done. Like, no more volleyball, no more commercials, I'm done. Well, now, I'm a new father. We're living in Los Angeles. And I, it's not like I didn't have a job, okay? But it was really more like a teaching habit that I had. I, you can't really call what they were paying me like a livelihood. And so I knew it wasn't going to you know, pay the bills. And besides the fact, you know, I was just getting used to being a trophy husband. And, and now, all of a sudden, she's going to quit? Like, I'm like, holy cow. So anyways, I'm overwhelmed. And um, I'm glad she could not see my face when I said, sure, that, you know, that sounds like a plan. But the point is, the maternal love of God, when that is, when we are impregnated with that, when we allow that kind of love to flow through us and, and to, to come to life through us, it's not just, the maternal love of God is not just a love that's to us. When we let it course through us, if we allow it to impregnate us, it, it will transform us. It will change what our dreams are. You know, this is why I think we so often wonder when we're together, maybe the best church for us isn't the church that's for us. And here's the thing, it's always been this way. This is always how life has found a way, how God has found a way moving forward into the future. Now, going all the way back to the very beginning, the book of Genesis, the serpent shows up in the garden, gets Adam and Eve to eat the apple, and everything falls apart. And God's not happy. And he comes to the serpent with this curse and in it a promise. This is what the Bible says. I will make you and your brood enemies of the woman and all her children. You will strike his heel. But the woman's child will crush your head. So the promise to humanity from God from the very first moment of the fall, from the very second that we decided we're going to go our own way, was something like this. You will give birth to something that will kill that which is killing you. I love that so much. This is the promise of God that if you accept my love, that you will, you will not be able to contain it. 
and you will give birth to something, and that thing mothering that, that cause or those people or that, those children or whatever it is for you, that's what moves you forward in faith. That's what saves you. When we turn to God in trust, it's like giving up on this false image of God as an unforgiving father and leaning into the unconditional maternal love of God. And when that happens, our focus on our flaws and what's wrong with us, they begin to fade. And this beautiful, wonderful, difficult, hard, complicated, lovely, amazing, beautiful task to transform ourselves and the world starts to come into focus. Our dreams become evangeline, sharing the good news. The Bible says it this way, now God has us where he wants us with all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. We neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Jesus to join him in the work he does. The good work he's gotten ready for us to do. Work we had better be doing. You know, one of the most remarkable examples I know of of how the maternal love of God has changed millions of lives, has changed history, actually, comes from the early 1500s. There are Catholic missionaries first came to what is now Mexico, and they had absolutely no success sharing the Catholic faith, sharing the Christian faith in what is now Mexico. Like the native Central Americans just refused to follow a God who was presented to them as a man, ready to cast judgment on all who didn't fit in or follow the rules. You know, maybe, it could be, some historians speculate, because that God looked and sounded a little bit too much like the conquistadors who had just invaded and killed and enslaved so many of them. And then something happened, just absolutely remarkable. Sociologically, it's a miracle. They don't know how to account for what happened in Mexico in the 1500s, but this is, this is how it happened. In 1531, a peasant named Juan Diego claimed to see a vision of, Mar of Mary. They now call this vision the uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe, or the vision, or the Virgin of Guadalupe. And Mary told Juan Diego this. This is what she said to him in this vision. I am your compassionate mother. Yours and all who live together in this land and of any others who love me, seek me, and call on me with confidence and devotion, I will listen to their weeping and their sadness. I will give them help in their troubles. She told him that she was the mother of the great God. And then, the story goes, this image appeared on a cloak, actually. And for the next 10 years, the priest simply went around sharing this story and they held up 
reproductions of this image and they told people, God is like this. God is like this. And in that next decade, 10 million Native Americans were baptized into the faith. They could, they could relate to a God who loved like Mary. So maybe too many of us, when we think of God, think of an unforgiving father. And maybe we need a more holistic, a more harmonious image of the divine love of God. One that includes maternal love as well, because it paints another picture for us. And at the same time, when we embody that kind of love, when we give birth to it, we paint another picture of God for others. I'm going to close this with this one real this quick last story. It's about a little girl in an art class. I love this story. I've shared it before. She's super focused. She's working really hard on a painting. And the teacher come by, comes by and says, what are you painting? And the little girl says, God. And the teacher says, but sweetheart, nobody knows what God looks like. And the little girl stops, looks up at the art teacher and says, they will in a minute. <laughs> We're going to close this morning with a, one of my favorite songs. It's a beautiful song. And I invite, as Mike sings it, I invite all of us to kind of hear it as a conversation. Maybe the verses you can almost hear as like us crying out to God or to life about how life looks and feels for us. And the chorus, oh my. Thank you so much, brother. When we let God love us as we are, just unconditionally, and then let him love the world through us, we paint a very different picture of who God is. We, we color him in for ourselves, for one another, and for the world. And in that process, we're transformed into actually who we really are. Maybe this is the enduring sacredness that mothers and maternal love have for the human experience. Or maybe they are the first and the best and the last painting of God. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this time and this place for this opportunity to be together. And we thank you for mothers. Where would we be without them? I, can't, I cannot imagine. We pray for all those for whom this topic, for this day, is difficult. And we ask for comfort and peace for them on this day especially. May we enter this week with maternal eyes to see and ears to hear and a mother's heart that moves to love unconditionally, to color you in for those who may only see you as an unforgiving father. And finally, I'll take a minute right now to thank you for our mom and all the ways that she showed us at the beginning what is true at the end, that you simply love us because we yours. As we leave this morning, I pray that you'd help us to grow and remain 
open, alert, expectant, and dependent on you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for coming, folks. Happy Mother's Day. We'll see you next week.